It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Welcome in, friends. Episode 5 of our spring series of Everything Under the Sun. Good to have you with us. Uh, We talked about daylight savings time and whether it's good for your health last week, astronomy the week before, severe weather preparedness in episode 2. We went back on episode one of our spring series to do some spring gardening tips with Doug Oster, but it's been a monumental weather week again with a lot of wintry weather along the northern tier. Of course, the devastating severe weather down the southeast and up into the northeast as we went into Thursday as we dropped this podcast on Friday. Some more wintry conditions are coming through the Great Lakes and Northeast with some rain and snow showers and colder temperatures and a couple of nights of sub-freezing temperatures. I wanted to go back to the gardening situation and bring back Doug Oster, uh, who we had on the uh, first episode of the spring series, to kind of talk about where we are in the spring four weeks after we talked last week. I know more and more folks are getting the itch to garden, so we'll talk to Doug in our first Race of Focus segment. In our second segment... The weather for the weekend ahead and the week beyond. We're going to first highlight some new uh, weather index uh, information that is amazing, that really breaks down how you can weatherproof your life in all aspects of your life. 28 separate indices that help you kind of judge how one day versus the other compares in terms of doing that outdoor activity or kind of trying to prevent a problem. Those are things that we're going to talk about with uh, Sukena Jedabai and Joan Ha, who worked on that project on our English-speaking AccuWeather.com website. That's coming up in our second segment as well. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Friends, before we get to our opening Rays of Focus segment, I want to just take a moment to ask a favor. We are so thankful for our many great listeners, and we do get feedback, uh, individual feedback at times at our email address, podcast at AccuWeather.com, but we'd like to take that a step further. So if you're listening to Everything Under the Sun and you enjoy it, we'd like to hear your feedback and how we can make this better, this podcast, uh, make it as engaging as possible. If you can spare... Some minutes, we'd ask you to go to AccuWeather.com and fill out our online survey. Your help is much appreciated. We'll have a link to that in the notes section, but certainly uh, something that will help us down the road. And another thing that helps those of us that like to get our thumb a little green is getting some advice, especially when the spring necessarily isn't going to plan in terms of uh, an ease into warmer temperatures. We've had some awfully cold shots here, and we're going to continue to see that as we get into the beginning of April. 
Our friend Doug Oster has been around the Pittsburgh gardening scene for decades. He's got books, including the Steel City Garden, How to Create One-of-a-Kind Garden in Black and Gold, if you're a Pittsburgh person. He's uh, won an outstanding documentary Emmy for Gardens of Pennsylvania. It was a one-hour special he conceived and produced on Pittsburgh affiliate, uh, PBS affiliate WQED. And every Sunday, he's up at 7 a.m. talking gardening on our great radio station, our AccuWeather partner, 100.1 FM, AM 1020, KDKA. Doug Oster joins me to talk a little more gardening and how to deal with these cold weather shots in this early part of April here on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Doug, welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. As uh, you know, we started our spring series with you and talking about gardening and getting ready. And, you know, it's funny because I, one of the things is, as someone who's a, a bit of an, uh, an amateur, avid gardener or whatever I want to call myself, you know, we look at the seed packets and stuff and we see all those gradations of whatever zone you're in and when you can plant stuff and all that kind of stuff. And to me, it's always when you tick off another month, you're into a new zone of possibilities when you're gardening. And here we are um, pushing the calendar to April. But I think if you remember in our previous discussion, we talked about the concern that there was another pretty cold shot or two that was going to come into the Northeast late March and into April. And we've been seeing that. And so that's the reason I wanted to Kibitz with my favorite gardening guy from KDKA here this morning and uh, through this podcast and talk a little bit about, is there things that we can do now here where I am? We, I was just getting, I got my first rank of daffodils up and they were really pretty till it was about 18 degrees for a couple of successive nights. And then they didn't look so pretty. I'll tell you what, as we're recording this on Thursday, midday, we're getting finally some rain. You know, one of the things with cold weather, like that kind of cold weather this time of year, it's extremely dry. And I would think I, th I heard my daffodils and all of the things, the tulips that are starting to push and everything else. They were just rejoicing to at least get some rain here over the last day or so. But uh, concerns about I mean, you, you made this point when we talked before, there's sometimes you just can't you can be frustrated with nature doing things to your gardening that you might not like, but you just can't control it and you got to deal with it. Um, where you guys are in Pittsburgh and stuff with the cold snap, anything that was concerning to you or things that people might want to think about doing? Cause we got a couple of more coming down the pike. It looks like over the next couple of weeks. And the thing is we always do in the spring, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I think it's interesting that you brought up the daffodils, uh, those early daffodils, we're basically when it got that cold and it got that cold here too, we're laying prostate on the ground. But <laughs> yes. yesterday here we had close to 70 today. We're starting off around 70 and most of those daffodils are standing up They're They're so resilient. Uh, they've been through this so many times, uh, you know, things that we're concerned about are those early bloomers and actually the buds, Two or three out of seven or eight years, springs, we'll get in a, a situation where some of those buds will freeze out, which means we don't see the flowers this year. We have to wait till next. But it's, it is rare. Uh, th they can usually push through this. More so, one of the biggest concerns always is magnolias, especially the old-fashioned pink magnolia. 
I haven't I haven't had the heart to go out and look and see how far the buds were along. But last year I didn't get any magnolia blooms. But again, that was the first year that it happened in probably eight. And and trees and perennials and shrubs they're they're always trying to push the season themselves to to try and get a little bit longer time to do what they need to do. And most of the time they get it right, but every once in a while they don't get it right. And part of being a gardener, and then let's just say in the case of daffodils is having early, mid and late season stuff out there. And and the same thing would be true for a magnolia, you know, modern magnolias bloom a little later because just historically, you'll you'll see those buds swell and you'll be so excited and you'll want to see that show of of the spectacular easter pink flowers of the magnolia and then they just turn to like brown mush <laughs> you know i actually we uh, uh, one of the weather producers at wpbi television one of our uh, channel 6 abc in philadelphia the magnolias were out uh, the bud and and he oh. sent pictures of them and they had had really browned up with the the freeze that they had so you know, and it's funny, I, I just went, I was D.C. two weekends ago um, when the flowering trees were just getting underway. Um, last week was their peak for the cherry blossoms down there. There's still some good color, but they even had some uh, problems with some burnout from the freeze here in the last couple of nights. So, yeah, I mean, I know we got to be prepared. Uh, you brought up perennials. Uh, hydrangeas has been something because I go to Cape Cod every year. And so I just love hydrangeas been one of my favorite things and took a while to get ours established, but uh, they were already pushing the ground. Uh, we were had some, some buds that were, were green trying to push up through um, they browned out a little bit, but it looks like the, the integrity of, of most of the buds seem fine. I was also concerned my peonies, the ride one peony that was one of the Edo's was really pushed up and, you know, starting to almost leaf out. But those are too genetically set in the poppies. I think the poppies sometimes love a good freeze as they get ready to go. Right of all of all the plants you just talked about, there the only one I'd really be concerned about, and and we have a lot of trouble in the Mid Atlantic in general with hydrangeas, and especially we have to go Latin here because there's lots of different types of hydrangeas, but it's called yes. hydrangea macrophylla known as the mop head it's it's the most popular it's the one with your pink and blue flowers that everyone loves to grow but what will happen and we see this for some reason in the last 10 years more so than than ever before those buds will swell and then we'll get the super cold and not just super cold but it seems super cold with wind right and, and it'll freeze out those buds and if it's the type of of mop head that only blooms on last year's wood, you've just lost all your flowers. You know, most yep. of the time those those are uh, improperly pruned. People will cut those back and they'll say, why didn't it bloom? Well, you just cut the flowers off the buds. You know, my partner and I have that argument and I said, no, 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 no. We're going to wait. We're going to wait till we see what's actually coming. We're going to see till we, we make that. And, and you have to, you really, the hardest thing about it is sometimes you have to wait for something that looks like it's really dead. Right. To, to see come if it, alive almost right, right if it does come alive because because hydrangeas in general are so late now there are lots of different types of hydrangeas that's that's part of the confusion for people you know there are types of hydrangeas that you cut to the ground and they'll be fine but if you do that to the wrong kind 
you've you've just cut your flowers off. No, and so yeah. it's just a little bit of education, a little bit of learning and knowing which one of those six or seven types of hydrangeas you have and which one is a more reliable bloomer. Now, I want to go back to that thing. Over the last 10 years, you've seen this, and I agree, because what we've got, you know, when I was a kid, I'm in my mid-50s, so 20, 30 years ago, the seasonality of spring and fall was much more gentle. In other words, it was more of a gentle ramp up and then a gentle ramp down. Now, in this last climate of the last 10 years where we are, and I think it's a lot of places up farther north into the northeast, they're getting those warm surges earlier. So like you said, the plants are wanting to activate and get going early. You know, they want to make as much flowering and as much energy as possible. So, oh my goodness, it's warm. We got the sun. It's dried out a little bit. I'm going to go. And then we've been seeing these little flips, which is what we just went through. I mean, you think about it, this past Monday in Pittsburgh, that was the coldest high temperature ever for that date in Pittsburgh. And so, um, yeah, it's we're, we're seeing that more and more. And so I think you're right in these places where, you know, was we were easing in and, and getting the plants were kind of more programmed for that. Now they're all like, what's going on with the climate? It, it, you know, you're giving me all this warmth up front and then you're taking it away from me. And and and, and why? So. So, yeah, I, I, it's definite. And, and this is something I've been noticing just being out and about in this. It's it's uh, interesting to watch here from both a gardening and a meteorological standpoint. And it's it's about kind of changing the way we garden too and being as flexible as we can with the plants. What's interesting with climate change is that people will start moving plants in that 20 years ago you didn't grow in this area but now it's a little bit warmer. Your zone has changed. You know, they break up the country into zones thinking about how cold it gets. And the people will bring in plants that usually weren't grown here. But then when you do get a polar vortex, for instance, or, or just some anomaly where, where you get this long period of cold that we used to get, those plants are, are not going to be happy. And so, it's just about being flexible, putting lots of different plants in. This is what I'm doing anyway, because I, I think it, it, it has changed so much that we really don't know what to expect or what's going to do great. In general, though, the, the, the plants are, are resilient. You know, when we talk about those daffodils, I've got these daffodils that's, that I inherited here 20 some years ago that are planted right next to the house in, in a hell strip between the house and a, and a sidewalk. And they, they always come up too early because they're close to the house to get all that warmth. Right, they're warm. Right. This for some warmth. reason, some reason they always make it now, two days ago, again, they were laying down on the sidewalk right. today. They're, they're doing their best to try and stand up <laughs> as they finish uh, off. I, I think too, you're right. And, and you learn, uh, over the last couple of years with those hydrangeas, you know, we got uh, creative in terms of how to wrap them when we knew that there was going to be one or two nights when it was going to, you know, they bit budding and it's a little green and you want to save that because on that old wood, that's going to be a flower if it goes right. And so yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I'm know? doing the same thing where I'm surrounding these plants with, the, with just some tomato steaks and burlap just burlap. on the outside to give them a little bit of, of protection. And to me, that protection has been enough to get those types to bloom reliably. And it's worth and, the work. And you made it made a good point, friends. And, and think about this, just like a real feel factor. 
where when you combine the temperature and the wind, it creates a colder feel. Same thing on the plant. So a really cold still night is something a plant can deal with, especially if you can get a little bit of a buffer zone around it where uh, maybe that temperature is a degree or two warmer at the heart of the plant that you have wrapped up. But if it, the wind's going, there's no way you can merely control that. And that's when the, the plants even suffer more. So good stuff there. All right, Doug. So I bought my uh, my little peat pods and uh, I'm got my seeds of what exactly you just said, as we talked to Doug Oster, who's on every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. on 100.1 FM and AM 1020 KDKA. I sound like I do that outro a lot. Oh, wait, I, I like do that. every morning. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. And his motto is if you he has to be up on Sunday morning to do a gardening show, you should be up with him. And I've made a commitment to be up with Doug this coming Sunday. No, April Fullen, although that's on the second. No, the third. Sunday's the third. I'll be there 7 a.m. But right. I bought all my little pea pods. I bought a, a variety of things some things that I've wanted before um, to try, especially in my rock garden area that's around where my bird feeders are, lupines, I think uh, good for that. And some other things that I know are, are kind of resistant to the toxins that are in the, in the, in the sunflower seeds. And um, can I start those too early? I'm, I'm prepared to go from pea pods to a little smaller pot and try to keep them going to get a little bit of oomph before we put them in the ground. But uh, how do we judge when we should start seeds? How do we, how about that? Well, so it, it, it's basically different on every different type of plant, especially, I guess, basically looking at the size of the seed. And so for things like a petunia, a begonia, an impatient, they have these dust-like seeds. They're started really early months ago. For what you're starting the lupins, uh, many perennials, uh, you know, tomatoes, peppers, marigolds, all these things with a little bit bigger seeds. Those are all started now. Uh, in the case of like a tomato, that that those are the things that are started too early. Uh, it gets too big to to keep it going. You know, in the case of like a perennial, right? Without like being a, outside, actually in the dirt itself, and and having room to expand and get too big too early before you can you know get it out into the good stuff because of the coldness or the soil moisture being too wet right i mean i we everyone who starts tomatoes they always start them too early when they begin this you know i i i would have to turn them sideways and have three people carry a plant out to the garden you know because it's three foot long vine where now i i'm not having even started my uh, main crop of of tomatoes yet so that i have a nice stocky plant uh, so it's, the, the timing is pretty easy when you look on the packet, you know, it tells you how long it's going to take when, when you put it in the soil till, till it's ready. And so you're basically starting four to six in advance of that. Uh, and so in, in the, in the timing that we have now, we're our full blown seed starting right now. There's, there's nothing that you could start now that would be really too early, uh, to get into the ground. I'm interested to see how those lupins do because lupins are just so beautiful and wonderful, but they love the, like an English climate. They love like that, that, that cool, long, wet spring. Okay. Uh, and, and sometimes can struggle in uh, the heat and humidity that we have in, in the summer. But, but once they're established, they're going to be absolutely 
indestructible. And so that's going to be fun to watch. And then they're going to throw seeds everywhere and you're going to have all sorts of different colors coming up. <laughs> uh, that's a very cool plant to, to give it, give it uh, a try for. And you're probably not going to bloom until next spring. Right. But you never know. You never know. You could get that some first year blooms too, which would be cool. Yeah. I, I've gotten to be patient and with not only stuff now growing from seed, but even, and I've used uh, uh, friends at I, I use Brex and and some of those other companies that where you get um, the cuttings and everything, mm-hmm. and and sometimes I think you got to be patient. And then even things that you buy, and, and that's kind of where I go in this last little bit here, as we talk to Doug Oster from KDKA and our new uh, gardening friend here on Everything Under the Sun. Uh, we're going to see a lot of traffic into the gardening centers um, where it's just starting to warm up. Obviously that's been going on areas in the Southeast and up through the mid Atlantic and other places. But now as we get into the population centers of the the Midwest, Great Lakes and into the Northeast New England, next couple of weeks, you're going to start to see a lot of folks. I mean, our gardening centers here locally where I am starting to get the things like creeping flocks is out and some of the other Pansies, well, yeah, pansies, tulips, and and stuff as we're getting ready for Easter and stuff. So I mean, it's just this. It's start. Um, a couple of things that I've noticed is when you buy things um, like that and you go to transplant in the end, you need a little patience because it seems like things that you buy from the store sometimes seem so caged up for a year or two, and then they explode and get going after a year or two. So. Uh, is that is that something I've noticed a, a trend? Well, that I need to be more patient. It's just looking at those roots when you pop them out. That's what it's all about, and that's what I think we see a lot is is that that plant has been grown in in a greenhouse, a nice cozy greenhouse, and fed, fed, fed. And a lot of times when the, those roots are really tight and compact in there, that's a lot of times why it's taking a long time to to get started. And so. I'm tearing those apart. I'm being pretty rough with them. Every time you put anything in the ground, like if you have a flat of something, every plant should be watered separately as it goes in. Don't put a whole flat in and then run back and water it all. I'm telling you, it. I know it seems like a pain, but it really makes a big difference. You're, when you take that thing out of the, the, the flat, everything on the outside, basically that hits the air is... It, it's gone. And then when you're roughing it up and splitting it up, but as soon as you get it down into that nice compost and we're always adding compost. Right. And then we put that water right on it. That just gives it a head start. And, and you want these, the plants to come out, get into the ground and hit the ground running. You don't want them to have to sit there for two weeks, three weeks, and then start on their own to try and break out of, of where those roots were all, uh, you know, uh, caged up, up right yeah and, you know it's it's like what i usually try to do is is you know if you get it in a little one of the little cells it's kind of in a cube if it's uh in a bigger pot it's more cylindrical and just kind of get my fingers up in the middle of that and then kind of pull out to the sides right and just try to kind of fan out those roots a little bit are you tearing some out some clumps of those roots out to give it a little more because i mean if they're really bad if they're really yeah, if they're bad, really yes. matted and tied up with each other uh, I I always actually I, I I take a lot. I'll look at different flats in the greenhouse, mm-hmm. pop them out, and sometimes they're perfect. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to buy three flats of these because this is just right. when they're real. 
sometimes you have to buy, you know, this is, this is how they, whatever is there has been grown and, and it's, it's so tight and, and white and it's, it, it, it's just, you have to be rough on them. Uh, and I know it's, it's hard to do, but yeah, you feel like you're, you're hurting it, right? Yeah, you're but like, you're oh, not, you're, you're, right. you're really, you're, you're helping it. You're releasing all that, you know, otherwise it's not going to leave that size. You're going to bring that plant out of there in three months, four months, whatever it is, and see that root ball about the same, as opposed to when you do split it up now that, that those roots have a chance to, to go out and it invigorates the plant, believe it or not. Right. It, it kind of puts it into a panic mode. And with the, the early planting, you've got the right temperatures and day length that's conducive to that root growth too. It's going to want to put on top growth, right? but the, the coolness of the soil is going to help that root growth. And then that immediate water uh, makes all the difference in the world. Awesome. Good stuff. Doug, it's been a pleasure. We're running out of time, but my friend, uh, we'll probably do this again in a, a few, maybe a month or so and, and talk to you as we get into that uh, latter part of spring and things are really hustling and bustling. And I look forward to talking to you Sunday morning in that seven o'clock hour on. Dean, we're going to have fun. We're going to have so much fun. Be sure you get a cup of coffee when you get up that <laughs> early. Well, you know, my friend, getting up at three in the morning every morning, it's hard not it's hard for me to sleep in on the weekend. So I should be bright. Oh, I don't know how you do it. It's it's a labor of love. Doug Oster, (laughs) thanks so much for being with us on Everything Under the Sun. Doug has an amazing website full of information, um, including um, all kinds of uh, links to his little hacks that he does. Uh, great information on Doug Oster, D-O-U-G-O-S-T-E-R.com. Link to that in our notes section. And, of course, uh, you can follow him on KDKA Radio, AM 1020, 100.1 FM in the Pittsburgh area. And we've worked it out. I will be on his show at about 7.15 on this uh, Sunday morning after this podcast drops on Friday. So looking forward to Doug turning the tables a little bit on me, probably grilling me with some questions about the weather as it relates to gardening. You can catch that uh, on live or on demand on the odyssey.com webcast and, and, and website. Speaking of websites, our website has a section, our lifestyle index section, which has had an amazing revamp. In fact, uh, It's uh, just rolled out here over the last week to our English-speaking audience on AccuWeather.com. It breaks down the weather into 28 separate indices to help weatherproof your life. We'll talk to the two individuals who helped design this new revamp and what it means to you. We'll also talk to Adam Dowdy about what the weather for this upcoming weekend and week beyond means to you as well. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back here to AccuWeather.com's Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. Normally here in our second segment, we... Look at the weather for the weekend ahead and the week beyond, and we will be doing that with Adam Dowdy here in just a few minutes. But I wanted to start this conversation this week with something new and exciting on our website. Just this past week on AccuWeather.com, for our English-speaking audience, we launched a newly redesigned and improved lifestyle index experience. And this will allow the user to look at how the weather is influencing various parts of their daily life, including allergies, health, health outdoor activities, 
home and garden, and pests. And each of those broader categories is broken down further. So you have a total of 28 separate indices to help weatherproof your life. I'd like to welcome in two people who worked on this project. Sukena Jedabai, our Senior Product Manager for the web product here at AccuWeather, and Juan Ha, who was the user experience designer for the project as well. Sukena and Juan, join me on Everything Under the Sun. Sukena and Juan, it's really good to have you here and an exciting time for our friends on AccuWeather.com because, you know, AccuWeather has a mission. I kind of think we encapsulate it now by saying our goal is to weatherproof people's life. And to do that, we got to make them aware of different aspects of the weather, not necessarily in the given parameters that weather are. You know, as a meteorologist, I'm here to predict the wind speed, the temperature, and uh, when we're going to have timing of the, the rain and how the severity of it. But those raw facts don't necessarily always translate into how, as we say here on Everything Under the Sun, where the weather meets your life. And so one of the things that we've always tried to do at AccuWeather is kind of take that weather information, those great forecasts that our forecasters come up with, and make them relatable and actionable to people in their lives. And so what we've done is, and we've had these indices in the past, but I think it's a whole new rollout here of indices that will help people kind of track and gauge how different activities in their lives are going to be affected by the weather on that day and how to plan, which is the best day to go on a run, take a walk, play golf, do gardening, et cetera, et cetera. It's exciting stuff. Sukaina, I know you're pretty excited about this whole project and how this has come along. Talk a little bit about uh, what your folks have been doing in terms of getting this ready to go online. So basically the goal of the project was really to say, you know, if you've expressed, how does weather meet your life? And so we wanted to revamp the experience so that it was a little bit more intuitive, more informative. And so that's what we've done. So for our user who's actually a runner we and wants to go out and yet also suffers from allergies, they can look at the, the weather adjacent experience and say, is this a good day for me to run? Great. It's sunny. It's, you know, it's beautiful. But maybe my allergies are going to act up today because it's a little bit windy. So in order for me to prepare for my run, maybe I'll need to take something. So I'm aware, right? And right. that's really the goal of how this experience translates into your life. We've got 20 different weather factors that experiences that can tell you about anything from your health all the way down to any outdoor activity to lawn and garden gardening if you're a gardener. And that's how we've done it. Yeah, I, I like this. And as you go online to our AccuWeather.com website, and we'll put that link in the notes section, but um, Joanna, it looks like these are are, are kind of categorized, as, as Sukena was saying, allergies, and these are the broad categories, allergies, health, outdoor activities, travel and commute, home and garden, and pests. And those are all things, you know, we just talked about pests a couple of weeks ago here on the, the website. We're going to have, uh, certainly you guys are uh, after a gardening segment. So all of those things in there. But then the nice part is you break those down into more individualized kind of sections with each of those broader categories. And as you can have said, Juan, you can like, I want to play golf, but I don't want to fight my allergies. I got to find that day that might be the best. And that's kind of how we all this all comes together, right? That is correct. And I, I think you were spot on on pointing out like how 
how robust our like <laughs> indices are. So there are a total of 28 of them. And obviously it's it will be a hard to navigate just the sheer number of it. And that's why we categorize them into like different topics so that it's easier for our users to like find exactly what they're looking for. So the other thing we've also done is we've actually added a section on our today page. And what that section does on our today page is actually tells you in each different category, the index that is actually going to impact you the most, whether it's the best day to go running and the worst day for your allergies, whether it's the worst day for indoor pests if you're planning. You know, so it gives you in each category the top most indice and how it's going to affect you. You, you kind of on that today page, you kind of get the, the like what we the call notes. the headline, right? The, you know, yeah. this is the the biggest, baddest, or the best. And then if you want more detail, here's, you just click on this and then you go into the more detail stuff. That's great. And even on the details page, the other thing that we've included is we've included the different weather factors that actually inform the indice or the, the experience itself. So it lets you know what is causing your allergies to act up today, whether it's the wind, because you know there's all the pollen blowing, things like that. So it actually gives you a little bit more information so you have an understanding of what it is that's going to impact your arthritis. I like that a lot too because I think so many times as meteorologists, well, this is we we put a number on it because that's our opinion, but this is kind of going under the hood a little bit and giving folks kind of that power, Juwan, to kind of make some judgments for themselves. I mean, the indice may be a, a number, but they know, well, in that situation, maybe it's a four on the number, but I don't personally have that much of an issue with it when it's a four. Now, when it's different, uh, we're going into, uh, you know, a, a little different stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really neat stuff. Yeah. And if you um, click on individual um, index, uh, you will see like a lot, as Sukina mentioned, like you, you will see a lot more details around like that specific topic. I think kind of going back to what you just said, Dean, like we, something we spent a lot of time on is developing safety tips for each, each index. Um, so it's, it's really that actionable, um, relatable tips the user can apply to their like daily lives. So, right. Like, so it's, it's three sets of information. It's the, mm -hmm. the index, it's how we got there. And this is why it should be important to you because if this criteria, which we're forecasting in this index happens, these are the things that could go wrong and you should watch for. So it's kind of that nice molding of all that information. Yeah. Really speaks for our mission, right? Yeah, it really, it, it really does. Yeah. And, and for someone who's been here for 25 years, uh, it's amazing now how, you know, things that we used to do and not really have a good outlet to get that information out without just saying it. And sometimes, you know, everybody has their, their different interest in weather. Some people just want to know if it's sunny or cloudy, hot or cold, wet or dry. But with people who wanted more information, we could give them that, but then it would take four or five, six minutes information to tell. This is amazing now how technology is able to let us give all that great information that we've always tried to get, but in a more simplistic and usable form for people that makes it easy for them. Yeah. I'd like to think that we've actually contextualized the weather to let you know how it's going to impact you. And the other thing I wanted to point out is that if you are on our website and you're looking for these um, indices are actually listed under health and activity. So it's a lot easy for you to find that way. If you're not on the today page and you just want to see it through the navigation. 
I guess my next question would be, I know this is right now, AccuWeather.com or website only. Is there a, a good move to put these on the other platforms or AccuWeather app and everything else that we do at AccuWeather? For sure. There's definitely um, a plan to, uh, we have a couple of like next steps and phases that we're going to look at. One is rolling it out to the rest of the world. So we're going to translate these experiences out of the English only experience to are the 40 different languages that we support. So that it's going to become a global experience, this updated. And then we're also going to eventually roll it out to the apps. It's just on a different timeline. So we don't actually have actual timelines on when it's going to go there. For now, it's available on the web, both desktop and mobile web. How's this sound for an enhancement and an upgrade? I have all the interests that I want and I can customize when I want a certain indice to say a certain thing, to do a certain thing. And then I can get an alert for that very situation. Is that something that am I thinking in the future in the right direction? You are totally in the right direction. And that's actually where we want to take it to uh, where we want to go. Definitely. There is a lot of interest for the, that customiza- customization of indices or like personalized list of indices from the user testing we conducted back in February before we launched this experience. So that's definitely something we want to do in the near future, hopefully. Uh, we talk about that in the office, Sukane, a lot. And yeah, Joanne, I think that's true. But Sukane, we talk about this in the office at all. I think it's coming to a point where my hot is not everybody's hot. In other words, <laughs> what, what I think of hot, well, my partner's from Puerto Rico. And so it's 85 with a dew point of 72. And he's in jeans and a long sleeve shirt when he's in Puerto Rico. That's the way they are. And that's they're used to it. I mean, I, I'm down to just my skivvies in that situation. So, I mean, it's just everybody's. Uh, and, and so I think as we go forward, we're going to be able to set our parameters, our own parameters in how we forecast the weather. So again, it's us at AccuWeather giving you the the, gore, the the details and then the technology and you trying to determine what's comfortable, what's best and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that's where we're in exciting stuff here in the near future. Sure. Well, Sukena Jedabai and Joan Ha, thank you so much for your work on this. And we look forward to all the enhancements and we look forward to talking to both of you very soon here on Everything Under the Sun. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Again, thanks to Sukena and Jawan. That is really exciting stuff that um, will be certainly applicable to a lot of people as we kind of shift our focus now from that to our normal talk here in the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond segment. I welcome in meteorologist Adam Dowdy, who is a person who shares my schedule and comes in in the very early morning hours. Uh, Adam also during the winter and many times has been our storm coordinator and um, one of our great meteorologists who does so many things. Adam, I know you as an outdoor person, uh, I think is excited about these kind of indices, which allows people to judge, you know, when is the best day for me to take a hike or go outdoors or take the kids or uh, plan to uh, do just about anything in your life. Now you can have some guidance based on weather parameters and 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 looking at that. That's a, that's pretty exciting stuff. I'm excited how we can take weather information that we produce and get it to people's lives and make it so that they can use it uh, in their own daily life every day. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the uh, I think one of the most difficult difficult parts about our job is conveying the to the weather to the weather to people and. This gives us another tool to do that. You know, if you look at the weekend, 
you know, which, which day, Saturday or Sunday, do you think you want to block out some time to, to go for a hike or to spend some time outside? And this is definitely a tool that, that is going to help a lot of people do that. Right. Uh, you know, I, I say that a lot of times going into the, the weekend, especially if we see what I consider a half and half weekend, which is kind of what's going to go on in the Northeast here after this uh, kind of insult to injury that's occurring as we're dropping this podcast on Friday, this pretty vigorous max that's coming through uh, parts of the Great Lakes and then into the Northeast, creating more kind of a wintry feel. But as that moves aside, I think Saturday from parts of the Great Lakes to the Northeast, definitely going to be the better day of the weekend as another little piece of energy looks like it comes in across and may dampen things in those areas here as we get into Sunday. So uh, once again, uh, if you're looking for value in terms of what the better day is, if you're in the Great Lakes in the Northeast right now, it looks like Saturday. Uh, you know, for all that we've been through, Adam, it's kind of crazy. We're we're actually going to have a normal temperature regime in the Great Lakes in the Northeast on that uh, first Saturday of April after being so warm and then so cold here up and down the last week or so. Yeah, that's not something that happens all that often during the spring because you do have those significant swings. So get a chance to enjoy it. And then up in the upper Midwest, it looks like, you know, there's another little kind of disturbance that's coming through some rain up in the upper plains and some mixed precipitation. Uh, But the thing that I'm seeing is much of the country this weekend is dry. The other exceptions would be some showers and thunderstorms down on Florida. And then there's a area Western Oklahoma down into uh, the North central part of Texas. And in the Rockies, there's a little bit of energy, uh, maybe just west of Denver. We could have a, some higher elevation mixed stuff and then some rain. But uh, to me, for the first weekend of April, having all that dryness on the map is is pretty incredible here. Uh, after <laughs> we're dealing with another two, three, four day storm that took its time to come across the country and created am- amazing amounts of severe weather and a lot of wintry weather on the north. So pretty nice to have a quiet weekend this weekend ahead. Yeah, I am sure we'll all I'll be able to enjoy that. Yeah. What do you think uh, here, Adam, for trends going into uh, next week? Uh, it seems to me um, early next week we could have uh, or, or, you know, it's one of those situations where that warmth air out in the West is going to translate eastward. Um, it looks like we have some more severe weather setup setting for parts of Texas later Sunday night. And then that moves eastward through Monday through the deep south and over to uh, Atlanta and Georgia as we get into Tuesday. So it's a, uh, and we've been talking about this. It was going to be a, a a busy spring, severe weather wise. It looks like another situation that occurs, and it looks like there's another chilly shot on the way here as we get mid to late next week for folks up north who, I know uh, I'm been hankering to get out planning some, st- not planning some stuff necessarily, but working more in the garden. Um, but uh, you know the the planning and all that stuff uh, areas. Uh, in the mid-Atlantic states, maybe on hold a little bit here as uh, it continues to seize like some colder air wants to keep pushing down south from Canada. Yeah, definitely. And uh, regarding the uh, the severe weather you alluded, alluded to, it's yeah, definitely the threat there with that across the, the south early this week from eastern Texas to the lower Mississippi Valley. Um, but I think something that we may want to stress at this point, that while severe weather is possible, um, this doesn't look like it's quite as vigorous of a system 
is the last couple. Right. Um, so it, it, it may not be quite as widespread, but it's still something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Right. And, and um, yeah, not as widespread and maybe potentially not as dangerous with the, the number, but still flash flooding, hail, travel disruptions. Yeah. Um, and yep. and again, an, another sit in an area which got hit just uh, the last day or so, uh, especially if you look at that um, Mississippi and, and Alabama area that they got they got rocked pretty good. And flooding may uh, with each one of these storms, flooding could become a, a more significant threat because you get a couple inches with the first one, another couple inches with the next one. And and then this one again. So that it just keeps mounting. And yeah. And that's going to just the, keeps increasing. Yeah. That's going to be the MO. Right. Adam, here as we go through the spring where we're going to just see these repeated events. Um, you know, we were talking before Adam and I got on on the air here, uh, really uh, vigorous storms coming through the northeast and a lot of rain in Pennsylvania, which this weekend is the beginning of trout season in our home state here of AccuWeather of Pennsylvania. And so um, some of those streams and creeks are going to be running high, not only in Pennsylvania, throughout the northeast because of all that excessive rainfall. Not only was that severe weather threat on Thursday uh, about the winds and damaging winds, some isolated tornadoes, but amazing amounts of rain. So that's something if you happen to be going out fishing in Pennsylvania here on this opening day of trout season, uh, just be careful. We, uh, things could be running a little bit high here on Saturday. Adam, uh, are you, you're not necessarily a fisherman. I know you're more of a hiker, um, but uh, anything, any plans for you outdoors this weekend? Um, you know, I actually haven't looked that far ahead yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the normal life of a meteorologist. Some days we yeah, hopefully we on at- hopefully Saturday I'll get out since it'll, yeah. we'll see some sunshine. It won't be quite so windy. So hopefully that'll be the day. Absolutely. Adam, thanks for spending time with me here on Everything Under the Sun to talk about the weather for the upcoming week and the week beyond. Yeah, no problem, Dean. Thanks for having me on. Friends, that'll wrap it up for this fifth episode of our Everything Under the Sun podcast. And we love so much giving you information, but we always want to make it better. So if you have some time and want to give us feedback on how we can make all our podcasts better, especially this one, Everything Under the Sun, you can head to AccuWeather.com and fill out our online survey. Your help is certainly appreciated. We'll have that link down in the notes section of our podcast. Thanks to Jawan Ha and Sukena Jedabai for the talk about our new weather lifestyle index situation on AccuWeather.com. That looks great. And thanks to Doug Oster. And again, on a reminder, I'll be appearing with Doug on his talk show on Sunday morning on KDKA 100.1 FM AM 1020 in the Pittsburgh area. But on Odyssey, you can listen to KDKA News Radio around the world. I'll be on with him at about 7.15 Eastern Time on Sunday. For all of us, including our executive producers for this podcast, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, and our hundreds of team members across the world that weatherproof your life every day by taking the information where the weather meets your life. Friends, I'm Dean DeVore, your host. We'll be talking hurricanes next week. Dan Kalowski is scheduled to join us with the Hurricane Outlook for 2022. Thanks for listening. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com.